Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. This is Believe in Vikings, and it is the Jaguars-Vikings edition segment um, of our podcast. Um, Tonight, we have an extremely special show. Uh, We have John Shipley, publisher of Jaguar Report of the Fan Nation Network on SI. And joining us a few moments later will also be a uh, former pro bowler for the Jacksonville Jaguars and New England Patriots, Fred Taylor. They are on the agenda tonight. First, we want to talk about our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all, the, uh, all of the action at Bet Online. The Vikings are 10-point favorites this weekend, week 13. So if you feel confident in them covering that spread, go lay down some money on it. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, uh, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag today. Uh, the Vikings are 5-6 and six, um, on the cusp of a playoff run if things go swimmingly. And we want to chat about their next opponent, who is the Jaguars, who they will play this Sunday. Um, so now we're going to talk to Fred Taylor and John Shipley about them. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Uh, how are you? Pretty good. <laughs> Bryant? Yeah, doing great. Well. great. John, you, uh, uh, you're from Sports Illustrated. How are you good, sir? Uh, do, doing good, man. Uh, living the dream and, and enjoying it. <laughs> Excellent. And then Mr. Fred Taylor, uh, first-time guest on our show. How are you? How are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the Mr. is the mix. The Mr. is sexy, but it makes me feel a little older. You know, you can call me Freddie T or uh, Freddie right. Fred Taylor, uh, the Hall of Fame semifinalist. You know that that all has a nice ring to it. All right. Well, full disclosure, Fred and I aren't too many years apart, so I thought I could get away with calling him (laughs) Mr. Uh, Well, we got Fred on for about 20 minutes on Believe in Vikings tonight, so we're going to hop into some basic questions for him so Vikings Nation can uh, talk to him for a little bit. So tell us, uh, most most of the folks that will be listening to this are Vikings fans. Tell us what you've been up to here in 2020. Uh, Man, just trying to stay (laughs) COVID-free. I mean, I think all of us have. I have a... um, I have four young boys at home, 18, 15, uh, 12, and keep them educated, virtual school. Marshall, Chad Oshosinko, um, Shannon Crowder, it's called I Am Athlete, so we're building that platform and also trying to give back through that platform okay. with uh, just hitting everything. Nothing's off limit. It's unscripted. 
uh, and just really just trying to um, uh, um, keep myself moving forward in retirement. I've been retired now for nine, nine years, I think. Uh, yeah, nine years. And, uh, you know, um, just trying to make sure I, I do better than what they tell us we're supposed to do. 87% of the guys are either divorced or filing bankrupt within three years of retirement. So I just try, my motivation is pushing forward and not trying to be a statistic. And also at the same time, trying to give back to the younger generation of guys that will come up and endure and experience these same things. So uh, that, that that's, I think that sums up a lot of it. Okay, terrific. I've heard that statistic before about 87% and it's just tragic. So that's, right. I commend you for not being, or I commend you for staying in the 13%. Um, so we can kind of set, set the table for uh, the rest of the show. How closely do you follow the Jaguars? Um, is that, I mean, do you watch every game? Do you just follow it from a distance or? Uh, I do. Um, when they have a home game, I do a Jaguar, Jaguars game day live set. Okay. Where we broadcast from in stadium, we give our keys to the game, halftime hits. Uh, I do Jaguars pre and post game radio, so I follow the Jaguars faithfully. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm tuned in. Okay, uh, John, I, I know you had a couple things you wanted to pick, Mr. Taylor. Excuse me, Freddie T's brain on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Fred, uh, obviously, congratulations on being named a semifinalist. Just what, what did that uh, honor mean to you? And what's the case that you would like to make for you, uh, you know, as you know, I, to be a finalist this year? It, it's, it's huge. It, it's huge. Um, I think what stands out this year is my second year in a row being in the semifinalist top 25 uh, uh, argument. Um, I think what stands out most is. Uh, I'm the only running back this year. And uh, there are a lot of great running backs. When I retired, I retired 15th all time in the history of the game. At that particular moment, my numbers were better better than 16 guys that were currently, you know, in the Hall of Fame. And when you look at the guys that were uh, selected from modern area, mo- the modern era uh, from 1970 and forward to, to, to present day, my numbers are better than more than uh, eight or nine guys. Uh, a few names to name, uh, O.J. Simpson. Uh, um, uh, that's probably one of the bigger names. Uh, um, I'm just having a brain fart right now. <laughs> but uh, Houston Oilers. The, Earl the, Campbell. The, uh, Earl Campbell. You know, just, just, to, just to name those two guys. But uh, a few other guys as well. And I'm in a few other categories statistically that give myself a valid argument yeah, from where I should be. I did my uh, homework, and yeah, you're right in that mix with Franco Harris, Thurman Thomas, right in, right in Franco, that. Franco, Thurman, mm-hmm. uh, and I did it in a, on an expansion team, yeah. right? Um, so, I mean, uh, whatever that might mean, you know, the good thing is I'm in the conversation. And I, I, and I pray and hope my fingers are crossed that I'm able to go a step forward into the finalist room, which is uh, next 15. And when you enter that room, they dive into a, a deeper conversation where they're able to do a deeper dive into your career statistically and they weigh it out against 
other guys and the defenses that you face, so forth and so on. So it's a big thing. For me, it's a big thing because I played in a time where a small market, my career is very underrated. Uh, uh, for example, one of your guys, one of your homegrown guys, and Randy Moss, we both came in in 1998. And there have been a few debates on the table where uh, Randy won Rookie of the Year. But when you pull out the numbers and it's st- from a statistical standpoint, we had the same amount of touchdowns. Yep. Uh, 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 Randy was a big play guy. And I think when you look at what he did versus Dallas and the Green Bay Packers, you know, the big Thanksgiving Day game <laughs> and uh, the other game against the other team, uh, those were uh, uh, solidifying moments uh, for Randy Moss with the controversy and the baggage that he came in the league with that shone a different light on Randy and it catapulted him into uh, the, the rookie of the year honors against Peyton Manning and myself. But when I pull out the numbers, having close to 1300 yards, over 1500 yards scrimmage, 17 uh, touchdowns, uh, naturally I'm biased. I'm going to say I had a better year that year. And a lot of Vikings fans might not agree, but this is my part of the story. I think I should have won Rookie of the Year that year, which probably would probably help my argument for Hall of Fame. Um, but again, good times. Randy is a brother of mine. He said himself, I deserve Hall of Fame, along with Ray Lewis and a few other guys. But I think I had a pretty good career. Uh, we're Like I said, we're brother, we're classmates. 98, I think is the best draft year ever in the history of the NFL. Charles Woodson. Ever? <laughs> ever Peyton Manning you know, 2002 was pretty good <laughs> I don't know how many Hall of Famers you guys got but I'm just saying we have a few first ballot Hall of Famers from that year but B-Mac I know you was a dog I know you was a beast trust me I would love to have run behind you trust me I know all so well and uh, I followed your, your career from uh, your career from beginning to end thanks you definitely had a great career, and um, I definitely appreciate it. And I feel like you definitely will make it into the Hall of Fame, without a doubt. Thank you. I appreciate that. So the Vikings have, uh, or excuse me, um, in this game this weekend, there are two of the top uh, running backs statistically uh, in the league, uh, Freddie T, uh, Dalvin Cook, and out of nowhere, uh, James Robinson. So I wanted, since you do follow this pretty damn close, uh, where do you rank these two players among the league's top running backs? You know, I can tell you this, Dalvin came in, uh, you know, he endured his injuries, but coming out of Florida State, I was a fan. I was just a fan of his running style, not so much of the team that he played for. Me uh, either. Because of the, the, Gator, <laughs> the Gator Seminole rival. But I can tell you a kid who came out of, um, um, out of Miami, uh, they played my high school back in the day, and he destroyed us. And my high school isn't. You know, we're not cream cheese. We're 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 pretty good style high school. And uh he just demolished us, had over two hundred yards on his way to uh going to Florida State. My son was another running back in that year that was a big uh high school recruit who chose Florida. So I think uh with my son going to Florida, Dalvin chose Florida State and uh he ended up having a better career there that carried over to the NFL. We have uh, one guy in common who um, 
who who made my career better towards the end of my career. And I always give him credit in my old age at that particular point in time. Coach Kennedy Pola, he's the, uh, you know, he's the, uh, uh, um, the guy who's in charge of the Vikings run game. He's the running backs coach. Okay. And uh, Coach Pola and I, Coach Pola would call on me, you know, uh, during those times when Dalvin was going through his injuries to say, hey, I got a young man who's a who's a dog. He's he's going to be as good as you were. And that's that's a big thing. <laughs> and uh, he's just learning how to be a consummate pro. Could you talk to him? Could you tell him how you train, how you ate, you know, later in your career in hopes that we get him to do these things, you know, before his prime? Because he hadn't even hit his prime yet. Uh, so Dalvin and I, we got on the phone. We discussed recovery. We discussed nutrition. We discussed everything, you know, taking care of the football. And um, he, he really paid attention. He started training in Miami with my old trainer, uh, Bomarito Performance Systems with Pete Bomarito. And uh, his career, you know, his gameplay just ascended. And yeah. what you see now is a product of his commitment to be one of the best guys in the NFL. He asked the right questions. He committed himself. He went and he invested in the offseason training. Uh, but it's a big commitment. You know, you're paying tens of thousands of dollars just to eat a certain way, just to pay for training. When the Vikings are offering great training right there in Minnesota, Dalvin, he's a guy who said, you know what? No, I trust and believe in, you know, the product. I want to be a product of the product. I'm going to uh, uh, invest in this thing here because it's proven, and that's what he's done. It showed last year on the field uh, uh, when he had an opportunity to be one of the top guys uh, leading rushers uh, uh, in, in the game. Right now he's in the same conversation, and uh, I, I love his game. He's dynamic. He can run it. He can catch it. Screen game, he's a beast. Uh, just everything. And uh, – James Robinson, a guy who went undrafted, uh, uh, definitely a, a diamond in the rough for the Jaguars. Uh, even more so, they made a decision to get their former third third pick in the entire uh, draft, and Leonard Fournette, they released him <laughs> yeah. because they saw the ability in James Robinson, who hasn't missed a beat. Yeah. He's been as dynamic as Leonard in Leonard's best season there. Uh, two weeks ago, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He went over a thousand uh, scrimmage yards uh, for a rookie player, an undrafted rookie player. His numbers are astronomical. Uh, he's broken a lot of undrafted uh, rookie player records with marks in Jacksonville. He's threatening a lot of my rookie numbers there. Uh, he's approaching a thousand yards. I'm like, slow the hell. Slow. I want to say the other word, but I don't know if you guys are rated PG or whatever. But uh, he's threatening a lot of my marks, you know. Um, but he, he's a good player. He's yeah. a solid player, a good find. He's definitely a building block where they don't have to waste another draft pick at, at that position. They can go out and, you know, uh, scout out other guys and, and build around him and the linemen that they have and hopes that the Jaguars will get back uh, uh, to, to winning and maybe even make the playoffs. 
the next couple of years. Yeah, on uh, Cook, um, I have to echo what you said because uh, in 2017 and 2018, he was certainly a damn good running back, um, although he was hampered by injury. You could see glimpses of that he was going to be good, um, but his maturation has uh, just accelerated with a snap of a finger. So uh, with what you're saying with his advanced uh, training and whatnot, it's evident on the field. So I thank you for bringing that up. Uh, John, what else do you have for Freddie T? Yeah, no, uh, Fred, just, just to continue on the James Robinson topic, you know, I've, I've watched each of his snaps this year and I, I watched him in training camp and I, as impressive as he was in training camp, I wasn't expecting anything like this. And it just seems like it's hard to find a hole in his game. But the biggest thing to me is it seems like he never loses the yards. You know, he never has negative runs. How key is that for a running back to just always get positive yardage and keep the offense on schedule? I mean, that's huge. And you said it. You want to keep the offense on schedule. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, – I, I know Coach Pola taught us when he was in Jacksonville. I'm sure he shared the same uh, run game efficiency uh, ratio sheet with his guys up there. Uh, you know, when he coached Dalvin a couple years ago when uh, Latavius was up there as well. Um, James Robinson, man, he doesn't lose yards. You know, you don't want to reset the offense. You want to be able to get four yards on first down. And this is just run game efficiency breakdown. And then, and then on second down, you want to be able to get uh, two yards plus half, which is really three yards. That's just another way of saying three yards. Um, and, and in third down, if you can get your – so after those first two runs to third and three, now you're in third and short, short, which are manageable situations. And you should be able to execute those at at least about um, a 75 to 80% clip when you're in third and short. Uh, and, and James, you know, um, uh, as bad as the Jaguars have been uh, from an offensive standpoint this year, he's been their bright spot. You know, he's running the ball efficiently. Um, I think he's averaging well over four and a half yards to carry uh, uh, on the season. Uh, and, and again, that's just a, a credit to, you know, the uh, lack of lost yardage. He runs with great forward pad lean. Uh, he hits the hole very hard. Uh, he doesn't waste a lot of times with lateral movement. Uh, he has great balance and he's strong. You know, he's not that tall. He's not that fast, but he's quick between the tackles. Uh, he's quick in the open field. He catches the ball well. So he does a lot of great things. And that number 30 reminds me of another guy who was a Hall of Famer. Didn't have a long, illustrious career, but we saw the potential. Terrell Davis, he wore number 30. You know, he was a, a slasher, a guy who was one cut downhill, <laughs> had some lateral ability. Uh, he ran with great forward lean. He had strong, strong hamstrings, and he carried a lot of people on his back. And and, and that's what James reminds me of. But, again, I hope he does well, but I hope he slows his ass down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. Yeah. Uh, Brian, <laughs> when uh, Fred was talking about, you know, 
getting positive yards on plays. You've talked about that on uh, some of our previous shows about, Mm -hmm. you know, how if you can just gain, you know, three yards per down, uh, all of a sudden you're in third and third and three or third and four. Um, You've talked about that pretty frequently. I have because you don't want to lose yardage on a lot of plays and you want to be able to put yourself and your team in a better position to get that first down again. Um, when you're in third and short. So, yeah, I've definitely talked about that, and that's why I didn't really comment much on it because that's something <laughs> I've been echoing. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Fred, I got two more for you. Um, All right. This one might put you on the spot a little bit, and if you can't think of anything, uh, that's uh, assuredly okay. You played three games against the Vikings in your career. Do, uh, can you share any memories against playing against the Vikings? Oh, man, of course I can share uh, <laughs> a few memories. Jeez. Uh, damn. <laughs> uh, I remember, um, when they were the high powered Vikings, um, I want to say Cunningham was, was, was there. Yep. Um, 98. I remember, I remember traveling up there and aside from the turbulence that we experienced on the plane, we dropped almost a thousand feet really? on our way up there. Um, we got beat, was it 51 to, jeez, 15, 20? Or, we got blown out. Mm. Whatever it was, we were blown out by the Vikings, and that's something that's sustained in my mind. I remember um, Big John Randall. After seeing a lot of his highlights, you know, uh, uh, surface with the, 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 the eye paint, all of the black paint on his face. I thought he was crazy. I mean, my rookie year, running the ball, he tackled me, and then he gets he gets up. He's licking his, you know, his tongue is dangling out of his mouth. He's making these crazy weird sounds, and I look at him like this guy. He is crazy. Like he's a psychopath, and, and it just <laughs> added to that. It added to that blowout, and I saw him recently. At uh, maybe two years ago on a golf course at Derek Brooks Foundation Golf uh, event, his golf charity. And I asked him about that. He said, man, you know, I'm cool, Freddie. I was just trying to scare the hell out of you. You know, I knew you was a dog. I knew you was a beast out there. I got to do my job, but I wasn't going to let you run all over us. And they, they pretty much shut us down and they blew us out. Uh, so that one, that one's at the front of my memory. Up there in Minnesota, uh, uh, it was a it was a great time. I actually connected with Randy Moss, and uh, one of my uh, one of his college teammates at Marshall, Big John Wade, was a center. We all we all connected up there, and uh, as cold as, as cold as it was in Minnesota, I'm gonna say this because we're in a different environment. Somehow we found ourselves in a parking garage. Smoking a fat joint the day before the game. <laughs> I think that's okay to say right now yeah. in this environment. But that that's one of my favorite memories about playing in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. I hope right. I didn't incriminate anybody, but you asked the question. Yeah. And I'm keeping it real. Yeah, no, I uh I personally live in South Dakota, which uh for better or for worse, is one of the most conservative states in the union, and they they just made marijuana legal, um, which was kind of a shocker for the constituency here. So, I think you can get away with saying that type of stuff now. So, all the power. Eight, to eight, eight man football. 
Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have that in some of the rural areas. All right, well, I know you I, get- been, I visited there a couple years back. My probably my first and second years in the league, man. We used to go up there and do camps for the kids up there. Oh, okay. uh, well, up in, in Bismarck. Oh, okay. we were in Bismarck, and uh, eight man football was the thing, and uh, the kids were just hungry, passionate. Man, and they would they would go after it. I can tell you that they they got after it, and it shocked me. It it, it shocked me, but uh, I'm appreciative to have experienced that. Yeah. All right. I know you got to hop on to a different show. So the last one I got um, is which running back in today's NFL is stylistically most like yourself? Oh man. Well, the guy that I think is most like myself is, you know, he hurt himself a couple weeks back. I'll probably. Uh, I want to say Saquon Barkley. Okay. I love his la- I love his lateral ability. I love that he's strong, you know, from the waist down. He's a guy who will uh take it the distance. He's a guy who um you know, he 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 just he has an all-around game. Uh but I just love his his jump cut, the way he makes the uh second guy second secondary miss. You know, he punishes he punishes the secondary um yeah i i just think his lateral game is amazing cut back his vision um i i love everything that he does on the field and not to take anything away from you know uh dalvin i love dalvin explosiveness what he brings to the game i love uh uh um christian mccaffrey i love what he does you know uh, i love alvin Kamara, and these are guys that are in my top five you know, but uh, if I can say one guy who I think uh, reminds me of me, I would probably say Saquon. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, I appreciate it, sir. We'll let you hop off on to your next show. But uh, Bryant and I are going to do Thank this. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we're going to do this show throughout the year. And I hope that you'll come back and talk to us because uh, you've been supremely insightful and we're greatly appreciative. My pleasure, guys. Anytime, man. Much love, man. You guys stay healthy and COVID free. Hope your families are well. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, John, we're going to go for it. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Take it easy. John, we're going to keep you on to get some of uh, the more analysis questions. Um, So the Jaguars won during week one against the Colts and all of a sudden they weren't going to be that bad of a team. And then they've lost every game since. Um, So what went right in that game and what has gone poorly since? No, definitely. I mean, what went right that game is, you know, their offense was really clicking in all phases. I think Gordon Dimitri had two incompletions that entire game. Uh, they didn't throw it, but they were they were able to find all the intermediate and underneath soft zones and the Colts' a defensive scheme and take advantage of it. And they were able to create big plays off play action, thanks to James Robinson, and that led to them scoring in the red zone a couple times. And then on defense, uh, the defense, I wouldn't exactly say it had – a good day, but they were able to force Philip Rivers into two key mistakes. Okay. Uh, they intercepted him twice, including C.J. Henderson in the first half. And Henderson had a terrific game. Uh, he he hasn't played as well since week one, but it's hard to, considering, I mean, the performance he had. He had an interception, three pass breakups, including the game-clinching one. And then you have to factor in the fact that the Colts uh, went for it on fourth down uh, near the goal line twice and didn't get it either time. So things just kind of fell perfectly for the Jaguars that week. Okay, yeah, that'll that'll turn a game on its head, no matter how good or how bad you are. Uh, in r- other developments, um, 
I don't know if it was unforeseen, but from an outsider to the Jags like myself, it was. The uh, Jaguars fired their general manager this weekend, and the coach remains in place for now. Um, was this move, particular move, uh, the termination of your general manager, uh, was that welcomed by the fan base? I mean, it's, it certainly seems like it. Uh, it. It was kind of a strange Sunday just because, it was already a weird experience watching Mike Glennon start for the Jaguars in 2020. And then, you know, within an hour and a half of the final whistle, uh, the general manager gets fired. But I, from, from at least the sense that I have and the pulse I have on the fan base and the people who read my coverage, I got the sense that they were, one, relieved, and two, maybe even a little surprised because Caldwell had just survived so many seasons of losing. I mean, the Jaguars went 39-87 in his eight years there, and, 39-8-7 is just a woeful record. That's even including their two playoff wins. So I think some were surprised, but there, there weren't many people who were really negative about it. Okay. Um, as far as the uh, draft or the 2021 draft goes, is it a foregone conclusion that Jacksonville will select a quarterback? Um, or would they entertain some sort of uh, option like trading for a veteran like Matthew Stafford if, if that was a thing this offseason? I think it's a foregone conclusion they're going to take a quarterback. Uh, I, I I think it would have been easier to make the argument that, you know, they should draft for a veteran had uh, did, had they not really torpedoed Gardner Minshew's kind of, uh, you know, I guess I don't want to say standing with the team, but just his standing as a potential quarterback of the future because he's healthy now, but they're starting Mike Glennon over him. So okay. you can't sell that guy as, you know, the, a potential future guy at quarterback to either the fan base <laughs> or to the locker room. So that just kind of takes him out of the equation moving forward. And because of that, I, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to want to start this new regime and this new foot moving forward with a new quarterback. Yeah, it, it doesn't really work anymore to <clears throat> start a journeyman um, backup quarterback. It did when I was a kid, assuredly, because the Vikings did it like every year. Um, like a guy like Case Keenum, and I'm not just saying that because he's on the Vikings now, but just how Denver gave him a shot uh, two years ago. Uh, he would be the guy like transplanted back into 1995 that if your team got him, you'd be like, oh, cool. We got an experienced uh, vet. He's going to be the quarterback. And hey, if we got a good defense, who knows? But it seems like that philosophy now from general managers is vanquished. They don't, for the most part, don't do that anymore. They'll give it a shot like for teams that maybe aren't as ambitious like uh, Nick Foles to the Bears, um, you know, trying to put pressure on Trubisky. But, you know, taking a flyer on an old or, you know, mediocre quarterback seems like a thing of the past. Yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking of Foles, I mean, the Jaguars did exactly that, you know, j- just a year before. So yeah. that, that's a lesson they've had to learn, you know, the hard yeah. way. Yeah, that's a good point. I probably should have thought about that when I came up with that uh, that question. Uh, let's see here. It's it's easy to forget the four games he played there. <laughs> Touche. Uh, strengths and weaknesses of this Jags team. Can you give us those? Yeah, I mean, the uh, strengths are uh, on defense. Uh, you know, they're really young, but they play with a lot of effort and a lot of energy. Uh, they fly to the football. Uh, because of that energy and effort, they sometimes kind of play themselves into turnovers. Uh, you saw it last week when Joe Schobert uh, came from, you know, the other side of the field to make a tackle and ended up forcing a fumble on the first play of the second half. And then offensively, uh, they're, they're very good at running the football. You know, it's not just James Robinson. They they have an offensive line that does a great job getting movement up front. Uh, Robinson has consistently said the offensive line, tight ends and receivers, 
have been the key to his success. And when, when you watch the games and you break and you really watch the tape, it, it shows, you know, the offensive line in terms of run blocking is a really solid unit. And then mm-hmm. Robinson picks up the yards that uh, they give him. And, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of weaknesses, uh, they, they, they struggle a, a lot in the secondary, but a big part of that is they, they have three cornerbacks on injured reserve right now who started the season as significant contributors, but they're also last in the league in sacks with 11. Uh, their first round pick, Caleb Von Chason, who I know a lot of people have said the Vikings were really high yeah. on them. Mm-hmm. He has just one sack so far this season, but he, 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 he's, he's a rookie. So I don't think you can really ding a guy that much for having, you know, a so-so rookie year during a pandemic. Fair, like fair enough. Um, Bryant, I want to circle back to you. Um, when uh, John was talking about uh, rookie quarterbacks, or I was talking about it as well, rookie quarterbacks versus veteran quarterbacks, you play with both. Uh, you had Dante, who was becoming a veteran. You had Far for a while. But then you also had a little bit of Pond, Christian Ponder and then a little bit of Ryan Tannehill. As an offensive lineman, a left tackle, what is the difference between blocking, if, if there is any, between <clears throat> a veteran quarterback and a rookie quarterback? Well, the veterans have seen a lot of different looks, so they have, like, a better reaction time, and they know how to play around um, with different um, snap calls and things like that to help you. Um, some of the rookies are still learning. It's like they're like a work in progress, so they're getting better. You're kind of getting better with them because they're getting better, so you watch them gradually grow. But, I mean, to me, like, playing with Brett Favre, he was one of the craftier quarterbacks who – kind of benefited my game too because he <laughs> he pumped fake he did a lot of different tricks like you know out there when I watch Patrick Mahomes I also I, I look at him sometimes of he'll grow into probably be a crafty guy like Brett Favre not just like athletic but yeah like you know just different tricks of the trades and uh Brett Favre did that a lot um changed his voice doing snap counts just do a whole bunch of things to draw people off sides so he just knew how to work you know the thing so for me having a veteran back there who kind of just knew different things that helped everybody's around. I appreciate that. But you also have these good young guys too that are coming out that are just athletic and they'll scramble and get out of a lot of things too. So it's, it just depends on, you know, what you like, but I feel like even those guys, as they get older, they'll start using more of the mental part and not so much as the physical as much. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, the last thing I want to ask you, John, before we get into some uh, predictions for this uh, upcoming game is the Jaguars are slated to have the most cap space in the NFL heading into 2020. Um, If you quit your job as a sports illustrated writer reporter and you became the general manager because there's a job that's opened, uh, where would you allocate that money? Definitely. I would allocate that money uh, to the trenches, you know, build up the defensive line and, you know, e- even the offensive line for as strong as a run blocking unit as the offensive line has been, uh, they still have a couple of players on expiring contracts and they still have to improve, you know, in terms of pass protection. But I, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, you build teams and good ones from the inside out. So if the Jaguars are going to get back to where they were in 2017, when they had a dominant run game and a dominant, you know, pass rush, they'll have to build back up to the trenches. And I okay. think Benny has spent some money doing that. Yeah, and it's so crazy because it depends on how you look at it. that. That was not that long ago. <clears throat> I can tell you that because the Vikings were just as good as the Jaguars that year. And I, I think back of that season like it was yesterday, but then there's sometimes in the middle of a game where that feels like eons ago. <clears throat> and you probably feel the same since you've covered the team for quite a while. Yeah, no, I mean, when, when I watch them now, it's just – 
it, it's wild to see how few faces are left by that team. You know, I, I'm oh, I'm man. pretty positive. I I could I could count the Jaguars left from 2017. You know, on one hand. Yeah, it <clears throat> that part is wild. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us, sir. We do want to get your prediction if you're in that business. Um, Vikings, Jaguars, 1 p.m. Eastern time um, in Minneapolis. Uh, what do you got for a prediction for that contest? Yeah, I'll go uh, 34-17 Vikings. Uh, I, I don't think the Vikings have much of a problem with the Jaguars because I'm not sure there's a better receiver duo than Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and I'm not sure how the Jaguars are going to be able to cover them. Yeah. And with their top cornerback, C.J. Henderson, still on injured reserve. But with that said, I do think, you know, maybe the Jaguars put a little scare into them with their rushing attack and, you know, their opportunistic defense. But uh, at the end of the day, I just think the Vikings are too talented for uh, this Jaguars team. Yeah, uh, they, they did put a scare into the Packers, uh, what, about a month ago? And so that's what I'm a little worried about. The Vikings have played down to their competition and then played up to their competition. Um, it's been kind of a bizarre year. Uh, Bryant? Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I was going to say, that's that's been a big thing with the Jaguars. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people kind of get lost in the record a bit, but they've played a lot of close games and they play extremely hard from the first whistle to the last whistle. So if, you know, you come into the game thinking that you're just going to roll over them, uh, you might get surprised like the Packers did and like the Browns did last week. Yeah. I'm, I hear you. All right, Bryant. And then for, uh, we'll get your prediction now. Um, what do you got for Vikings Jaguars? I'll give the Vikings 28 and the Jaguars 17. 28, 17. All right. I, we got pretty similar themed predictions. I got Vikings 31, 13. Uh, well, listen, John, we appreciate you joining us. I'm going to keep, just like uh, Mr. Taylor, I'm going to keep you uh, on my list and then maybe sometime, maybe around free agency or something, we could have you back on if that's cool. Yeah, no, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it and uh, I really enjoyed it. No, likewise. Well, we'll stay in touch and I appreciate it. Well, that's thanks all we have. Me. That's all we have for tonight on the Vikings-Jaguars part of Believe in Vikings. Um, So we will talk to you next week, and Skull Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.